couple of things, a couple of uh, points of housekeeping. Next Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. is the Widow Widower Banquet here. If you are a widow or a widower and you have not registered, please do, do so through the church office. It's going to be a wonderful uh, opportunity to be together and to fellowship and to share. And uh, our speaker is a gentleman named Dr. Chris Whaley. Don't know if you know Dr. Chris Whaley, but he was the subject of, he is the author of a book, a Christian book, and is the subject of the number one Christian movie of 2018 called The Mask Saint. And it's about his life working as a professional wrestler, working his way through the seminary. And that he is the legacy pastor now at First Baptist Church in Orlando. And he will be the featured speaker at the Widow Widower Banquet. And uh, seems like he's a wonderfully uh, entertaining and, uh, and encouraging and inspiring guy. I was looking for somebody to, uh, to fill that role. And so I called Brother Philip Haynes and said, you surely know somebody who would be great in this kind of a situation. And he says, boy, do I. I've got the perfect guy for you. So he comes highly recommended from uh, Philip Haynes down there in uh, at Idlewild in Tampa. Uh, I've just been thinking about it a lot lately. In fact, Gail Hazelden and I talked about it on uh, Friday. Uh, the uh, pastor's uh, recent messages have just been unbelievable, I think. A couple of weeks ago, he was talking about work. Remember that lesson? And uh, Maddie and I just did talk a lot about work. And he mentioned a line, one of the things that's frustrating for her in her first position is working with people who take the path of least resistance, right? She says, I'm working and I'm doing my job and everything is going great. And she said, somebody is supposed to come and replace me. And they're 15 minutes late, but they come in with a brand new uh, uh, coffee from Starbucks. And she said, that drives me crazy, right? And pastor was talking about how we work with people who clock in and check out. Anybody ever worked with any of those people in your life, right? And it just makes you nuts. And he included a line in there that Gail quoted back to me the other day. And that is that you're not working for your boss, but you're working for the Lord. Right. You're not working for a boss. You're working for the Lord. And if we think about it from that perspective and we take that greater big picture approach, it's much easier to get along in life. Today, we're going to be studying the second chapter of Ephesians and the first 10 verses. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, the first 10 verses here. And we're going to be talking about how we serve for the Lord we don't serve our mankind and our brother for ourselves or for them. We serve them for the Lord. That's part of what it means to be a Christian and to be saved. You know, a case can be made in almost every advertising campaign that they sell you on the message of before and after. Think about uh, diet ads. Think about acne ads. Hair replacement ads. Think about cosmetic ads. They will show you a before and they will show you an after. And that's, that's the way it is in almost every advertising campaign. There is a little bit of a kicked up approach to that. And that is called the shock and awe campaign where they will uh, uh, basically show you such a uh, poor example of 
a current situation, and then they will insinuate what it will actually be like when you buy the product, use the product, and get involved with the product. And basically, it is it allows your mind to see the perfect person that you ultimately want to be. That's why they said radio advertising was so effective through the years is because when I say I've got a beautiful new Cadillac for sale, you see your Cadillac, which I see my Cadillac, and those are two different Cadillacs. Probably neither of which is the Cadillac that's actually for sale, but in our minds, we, we go there. In Ephesians chapter 2, we see the perfect example of a before and after life. Before Christ came into our life and after our li- uh, Christ came into our life and we were saved and we were, re- were redeemed. The first three verses are the before picture. The next seven or eight verses are the after picture. So it's before Christ came into our life and changed our life, changed our walk, changed our service, changed our meaning, and then after. And those are the uh, verses that we're going to be looking at today. We talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about the culture in Ephesus and how it was a large city. It was uh, seated in a perfect place for trade and industry. But there was a lot more going on in Ephesus too. When you think about Nashville, you think about certain things like the Grand Ole Opry, you got Nashville, Tennessee. Those are things that you think about. In Ephesus, all the people around the known world would have thought of Ephesus by Diana, by a false god, by an idol. That's who they were known for, Diana. Diana was actually the Roman version of the Greek goddess Artemis. And all of their culture, a lot of their society, a lot of their uh, social interaction with one another was based upon Diana. The temple of Diana was actually four times the size of the Parthenon in Greece. And it was not only the place where they went to worship, it was the place where they went to socialize, but more importantly, it was a banking center. So prevalent was Diana in their society that she was on every one of their coins. Think about that for a minute. A false goddess was on their coins And when the storms get ready to come through, you'll hear the weather guys say, well, Mother Nature is really bucking up against us now or whatever. Mother Nature. Uh, Diana was uh, depicted as having a lot of breasts. She was the goddess of fertility, the nurturing goddess. She was considered the mother. She was considered, uh, much like we would talk about Mother Nature, Goddess uh, Diana was considered this goddess of, uh, of nurturing. And so that's what they, they believe they lived under the protection of this, this mother figure, not a fatherly figure the, like we believe in. So every year they would have this huge festival to Diana and people would come from all over the known world to this, what was known as one of the seven wonders of the world, this temple, they would come from all over the world. And they would celebrate with dance and food and drama, and it was a big deal. It was like the homecoming, the reunion, but it was to celebrate this goddess who would love them and would nurture them and would take care of them. The temple of Diana and the worship temple of Diana was in stark contrast to Paul's grace message, to his gospel of grace that he was telling people in this world. These people had been completely raised in this lifestyle. It would be so countercultural and radical to give them this lesson that he is teaching them. It would have been almost blasphemy to them. 
what he was speaking. But he continued to stand firm, and he encouraged those that he left behind to stand firm as well. In addition to the cult of Diana, many in this culture also were very deeply involved in magic and in regional folk lore. You know, lessons that were passed down from, uh, from generation to generation to generation. And in fact, Paul addresses it in Acts chapter 19 where he says, um, they, these people were doing uh, uh, acts of uh, magic and we had to step in and we had to address it and we had to drive out evil spirits from these people that believed in the magic. They had to do a good work to try and purify these people before they could even begin to uh, uh, get them convinced of the message. Do you ever think about this for uh, uh, at all? Do you ever think about you're either with God and you're living with God and walking with God, or you're living with the devil and walking with the devil? Generally, we don't think about it from that perspective. We either think you're with God or you're not. But as Paul is going to point out in these 10 verses today, there is another aspect to this, and that is you are either with God or you're with Satan. It's not you're with God or you're not with God. There is this counter and negative influence on our lives. Christianity is not a fixer-up religion. We see these uh, fixer-up shows on television all the time. Christianity is not a fixer-up religion. It is a new construction. And after Paul's prayer last week, where he just prays for these people he loves so much that they would, uh, uh, at the church in, uh, in Ephesus, that they would fully understand what it was. Remember, he, he is pre praying to them and he's saying, please allow these people to just fully grasp the wisdom and the knowledge that they are learning. After that prayer, now he is explaining the work of Christ in creating the church. In fact, we're going to pick off the first two verses here, and we're going to begin to see him lay the groundwork and talk about this a little bit. Somebody want to grab those for me real quick? The work of uh, the church. Dolores, thank you. Thank you, Dolores. I've got a new living translation, which uh, uh, I've got so many different translations. It's always interesting to kind of cross-reference them. And some of those, I think, are some of these are worded really uh, magnificently. But it says, um, once you were dead, doomed forever. I like that. Doomed forever because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. There it is. You are either with God or you're with Satan. Your heart is either filled with God or it is filled with the world, which is influenced with Satan. These uh, uh, folks... Uh, would have had this knowledge base in their background, that Satan was not really on the earth, and he wasn't in heaven, but he was kind of looming over heaven in the earth, and so or in the air. So it states here, you uh, used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air, that he was uh, just above the earth, and he was influencing and affecting everything that happens in our world. The ways of this world, the ways of Satan, would include the non-Christian value system outside of Christianity. It would have included for them the cult of Diana and the other idols that they worshipped. Remember, they weren't just worshipping Diana as highly as they thought of her. They weren't just 
uh, worshiping her exclusively. There were others. And so he would have said, you're either with the ways of the world and with Satan and with these idols, or you are with the God. And the Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. When we think of trespassing, we think of crossing a, a line that we shouldn't go beyond. When we think of sins, we think of missing the mark that is set for us. And so those are indeed two separate things. But Satan and the d demonic forces were now working in the disobedient. Think of that line for just a moment. Satan and the demonic forces, he is the power and he is the prince of those demonic forces, are working in the disobedient. As you sit down with your Ocala Star banner or your New, New York, uh, uh, what's it called now? The Times? I guess it's been called that for a long time. I'm not sure how much longer it will be called that. But um, just look at that and look at the headlines and think of that this week. How Satan and the demonic forces are so fully invested in the disobedient, the rebels, society's outcasts. And I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago because it came to me in a lesson and it's had an influence on me ever since. Everybody who is out there trying to deceive has been a victim of deception of themselves in the past. That is vitally important for us to remember. We don't think that we are either with God or we are with Satan. We think we are either gods or we are nothing. Look at verse 3. In fact, um, we might as well throw verses 3 and 4, 3, 4, and 5. Let's put them all together and we'll kind of chew our way through those. Somebody have those? Tom, appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Tom. Well, in, in addition to walking according to the ways of the world, the spiritually dead, spiritually dead are driven by ungodly desires. Spiritual deadness is not a selective disease. Spiritual deadness has the ability to affect us all, every one of us. And that's kind of a sad thing to think about. When you think about spiritual death, you think about spiritual disease, heart disease from the spiritual nature, it's a sad and troubling thing to think about. But we can see it at play in our world. We can see it at play in our workplace. We can see it at play in our marketplace. It's happening all around us. And when we are dead spiritually, we are completely invested in and given to fleshly desires. When you think fleshly desires, you think sins of the flesh necessarily, right? You think about something uh, sexual in nature. And that's not necessarily all of it. Fleshly desires has a lot more to do with it. Fleshly desires is when you get out at the grocery store and the guy next to you bumps your car with his car door and you want to jump out and whip him right? You're angry. That's the first nature that takes over for you is I'm going to best him on this one. I'm not going to let him get away with that. He needs to respect my property more than that's also a fleshly desire. The spiritually dead person is carried along by the ungodly forces of flesh and thoughts, satanic thoughts in our minds. And that places us under the wrath of God. The wrath of God can be something that could come to us immediately or it could be something that is stored up for eternal judgment. You think about the fall of Adam and Eve. 
and the effect that that's, that's had. You, you think about throwing a great big boulder in the lake when the lake is completely still and it has that rippling effect for forever. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. A giant boulder went into this clear, beautiful lake, and when they fell into sin, it brought to them a fallen, sinful nature that alienated them from their Creator and the perfect God, Savior of the world. It had a ripple effect clear down to this day. It made them, here's something that's important, this sin nature made them hostile toward the Creator hostile toward the Savior, and alienated them entirely from Him. And that fallen sin nature is inherited by all of their descendants, including you and I. Spiritual spiritual deadness is not just to a specific class of people. It's to all of us. We need help from the Lord because we are not in a position to help ourselves. Verses 1 through 3, that is that before picture when you've got the acne or when you're bald or when you're uh, overweight or when you're blah, 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 blah. And then uh, they try to sell you that you are going to become this perfect picture afterwards when you try these products. That's not the case necessarily. Thanks to Madison Avenue, they tried to sell us on that. But in Christianity, it is true. We're not going to be perfect, but we are going to be cleaned up and we are going to be in better shape. Verses one through three talks about hopelessness and condemnation. And it talks about uh, uh, folks who are living lifelessly. Now, as we begin to move forward with verses 4 and 5, we start to see the thing change a little bit. But God, who is rich in mercy, thank you, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Saved by grace. Humanity outside of faith in Christ may be under God's wrath, but God's mercy restrains his wrath for us. Psalm 103.8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. Yes, we serve a, a, a God who is jealous, and yes, we serve a God who will punish. We serve a Father who will punish, but we also serve a God who is slow to anger and abounding with beautiful and faithful grace and love beyond what we are worthy of. Why would God display such mercy towards such great sinners? You ever stop and think about that? Why would God send his son to that cross to, to, to die that horrible earthly death for someone such as I? Someone so uh, empty as I, just a mite, just a grain of sand. Why would God do that? And Scripture says because He loves us and He pours His mercy out on us uh, all the time. God took three incredible actions towards those, and He put His face in them. We're going to pick those up. Those verses are separated. Six, seven, and eight are those three actions. So I think probably our best bet is to do six, seven, eight, and nine. Who wants to grab six, seven, eight, and nine? With all of these commas and these things broken up by verses and uh and chapters kind of messes this lesson up a little bit. Thank you, Brother Don. I love it. Isn't that great? 
the word boast is such an incredible and powerful word because we instantly think about it and we, we know what it means and we know what it looks like and smells like and acts like and talks like. To this point, Paul has explained that the Ephesians were dead in their sin, but were made alive by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ according to his mercy. How did something this marvelous happen? How did this act of God's grace received by faith happen on this dark and sinful world? For you were saved by grace. Salvation involves more than forgiveness of sin. Salvation involves more than forgiveness of sin. It is deliverance from death. It is deliverance from slavery and wrath. Paul obliterated any of the illusions that these people may have had that they could save themselves from such powerful forces because of the necessity of God's grace. We can't do it alone. We can do the before picture very well. We cannot do the after picture very well. You know, one of the things that I love about the First Baptist Church is that we've got a lot of people who have a lot of magnificent gifts and they are willing to share those. I think it's a, an amazing thing. Uh, uh, people on our handyman team will go out and they will help widows and widowers and folks that just need a hand. Um, and that's their special gift set. There are people that are in the kitchen right now probably preparing a meal for some kind of a function. There are people that are in the light and tech. We all have different gifts, but we can all uh, provide those gifts and do incredible things. And I think one of the greatest gifts that we have at this church, and I'm going to embarrass her right now, is sitting to my right, and she is our church pianist. She is such an unbelievable gift to our church. She is faithful and steadfast and just just an amazing uh, example for all of us that get to know her and love her and, and, uh, uh, and see her share her gift on a weekly basis. I didn't play any music, did I? How about some music? <laughs> She's not going to be completely surprised by that, that I did this to her. She, I'm not that evil. Thank you, Kathy, for being willing to share with us this morning.
Any questions? <laughs> wow. Anybody know what the name of that song is? My Tribute is the name of that song. So if you're ever looking for it and you look it up under To God Be the Glory, you may or may not find it. It's called My Tribute. And that is an amazing tribute. Wow, thank you, Kathy. I know she's got to go on and uh, on to her next project, but uh, that's what her life is like around here. She's an unbelievable servant. You know, one time, and now that she's gone, I will not embarrass her, but one time there was some kind of a huge gathering somewhere here in town of Christian women. There were hundreds of women. And uh, Jana was somehow involved in this, and uh, she gets a call on her cell phone in their entertainment uh, calls and said, uh, traffic accident, I can't come, I can't make it there. I'm, I'm and Janice said, it was like God opened the door and in walked Kathy Coleman. And she walked over and she said, I hate, I don't even know how to ask you this. And she said, it'd be my honor. Think about that. To be a servant that invested that it is your honor to be asked at how, whenever to share your gift with others. Well, back to our lesson. In order to exclude any thought about salvation as a human work, Paul added, not from works so that no one can boast. He doesn't want us to be able to walk around and say, look what I did for myself. God does not give us that power to walk around and say, I was able to create this ugly sin and I'm able to create this solution for it. Because we can't. We cannot achieve salvation by doing good works or by keeping the law or by cleaning ourselves up. In fact, uh, that, that particular a line in there about uh, keeping the law, earning salvation by keeping the law, God added in, uh, Paul added back in Romans that uh, Abraham was justified by faith but not by works. And that was before the law was even given. So we cannot save ourselves. We cannot walk around boasting that we have part of the plan of salvation. All we have to do is willingly accept that gift. Willingly accept that gift. Knowing that salvation is a work of God, Paul declared that Christians, brothers and sisters, do you feel like God's workmanship? Wow! What an amazing gift! We are God's workmanship. Somebody share verse 10 as our final verse this morning. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Paula. We are his workmanship. Do you think God makes junk? 
Do you think God makes junk? Have you ever stood at Pike's Peak and looked out over the world? Have you ever stood at the Grand Canyon and said, boy, God sure makes junk? I stood on those shores recently up there, Prince Edward Island, and it's maybe 80 feet uh, down. You know, it's like a cliff and the, the, the waves are rushing in and crashing against those rocks. And there was not a soul in sight. There was nobody around. And it was just, I mean, it was a God moment. I stood there and I said, how can you look at something like this and not believe in this magnificent creator? God does not create junk. Do you look at your next door neighbor who lets his dog come and dump in your heart and say, God doesn't make junk? 